The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is a Wednesday, Wednesday, November 10th. And that means it's time for a Brady Quinn football show! <laughs> if you want to see Brady do some kind of uh, cool... Oh, Brady, you want to see Brady dab? Go to, go to YouTube.com slash Pick 6. Hit the subscribe button. Do that uh, anyway. Today is November 11th. What did I say it was, Diva? You know what today is, Will? It is Veterans Day. So we got to make sure we thank all the veterans out there, all those who put their life on the line, sacrificed for the greater good, so we can enjoy these liberties and freedom. Thank you to all those out there serving. And who I have served, yeah. That is a great call. And uh, also, if you feel like making a contribution to help out Veterans, you can go to the Third and Goal Foundation. I don't know what the website is, but you can tell us. It's it's yeah, 3ng.com or yeah. thirdandgoalfoundation.org. Wasn't doing that for a plug. I really was just sincerely giving a thank you to all the vets out there. And I was sincerely promoting the foundation because you, I know. you do good work for veterans. I know people probably think like, ah, Brady Quinn, too cool, like hanging around South Florida, talking about football all the time. No, no, Brady is he's out there giving back to the community. We're, uh, we've got three phases just quickly about our foundation. We, um, operation home. We adapt homes, make them handicapped accessible for wounded vets. Uh, our second thing is called operation education. We put on educational platforms for, uh, student vet- veterans who are either coming to school to, to start, uh, continue or finish their education and operation joy. We look for those veteran families in need, uh, who need a little assistance in particular around the holiday season. Uh, but really just for uh, a smattering of different things that we do. So. We're actually, I'm actually excited. I, I can't announce anything yet, but I do feel like we've got a kind of something in the works for like a partnership moving on in the future. That's cool. going to kind of be, I don't want to say like a, a first mover advantage type thing in this space, but, um, something that we're working on and hopefully I'll be able to have like a big announcement at some point. That's awesome. Can, um, can I ask you? So did, when did you start this foundation? Because I know that I do think that, um, because like so much of football coverage is, uh, related to bad things that happen off the field and or snarky assessments of things that happen on the field that oftentimes the good work that football players, and there's a lot of NFL players doing good work goes overlooked. So like, was this something you like were passionate about like coming into the league and you started, or is it something you started later? I'm just, I'm just kind of curious how that sort of all unfolded in all seriousness. Yeah. I think I, I came to realization when I got to Denver, uh, I had a conversation with a wounded veteran uh, while I was out in Denver Broncos training camp. Uh, Lonnie Paxton, our long snapper, he had worked with the Wounded Warriors Foundation or Wounded Warrior Project, and he had invited some vets to come out. And I was close with Lonnie, and I went over and was talking to some of the guys. And I called my dad. My dad was a Marine in Vietnam. His father had served two in the Army um, in, in World War II. And, and he, you know, he, I kind of said to him, I was like, I, I feel really guilty. Like, I, I feel like I've got a weight on my shoulders because 
that could have been me. Like if I had I not had the avenue of sports and the opportunity to go to Notre Dame and go to the NFL, I would have probably went and served. And, and that would have been, you know, what I did probably after I was done uh, with school, uh, maybe done with college. I, I don't know. Um, but that was kind of the avenue that I think I was looking at. And so I've always felt it in my blood to have like a civic duty to give back to the country. My dad said, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for what you're doing now, but what we can do is we can help all those who serve and we can start, uh, you know, he said he was a home builder. He, he remodels and builds homes. So he's like, why don't we find someone who is, is in this sort of need chopper? That's right. Ty or Tyrone, uh, chopper Quinn chopper is, is, uh, is his nickname, which he's got a bunch of different stories to tell why he has that nickname, but, uh, one of a kind, but anyway, so this is back in 2010 and we started with one project self-funded continue to do that for a couple of years. And then we put together a small golf tournament, uh, annual event called the blue jacket where the person who looks like they're having the most fun gets awarded the blue jacket. Uh, the first year, the inaugural year, we didn't even finish the round. Someone, I won't say who, but they won a Super Bowl. Uh, then they had to reside in my family. They put a golf cart into a pond. And so that was on like 14 or 15. And it basically was, was the end of that. We weren't asked to come back and we, I kind of bounced around from course to course because we have a lively golf event, but we found a home now at Tartan Fields there in Dublin, Ohio for, uh, for a few years. Nobody Google the 2010 Green Bay Packers roster. Don't do that. Whatever you do. And <laughs> 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 it's right, right? I think I wanted that one. Yeah. No, that was right. I mean, it, I don't even know if you need to do that. You could just do a little bit of background digging on, on my family. If you look at famously, who my family has won a Super Bowl. Right. No, famously, because I think we were probably in, I don't know if it was in college. I can't remember when I was, but famously, uh, I believe your sister, your si- is that right? Your sister. Yes, my older sister. My older sister. Your older sister wore the split jersey. That's right. In inspired a, uh, by Nelly. In a very inspired by Nelly. That's right. In a very important football game. Um, okay, anyway, that's fantastic. That's really cool. I, I was just, I legitimately was curious. Like, I didn't know if it was like, like it was born out of something that, you know, you, that you experienced. And yeah, and uh, my dad. It's born was out of fun. guilt. It's born out of guilt. That's why, because because it, it could have been me, right? And that, that's how. And I think just for my family, my 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 father, my grandfather on his side, um, it was really born kind of through that, and just wanting to give back to to those that serve this country. Yeah, my grandfather uh, also uh, was in the army in World War II, and then my dad was, uh, I think, like okay, my dad was not a very uh, prolific soldier. It's all right. I don't think he was like discharged, but I think he was. Um, so my, my grandfather, my, you know, I'll tell, we don't need to tell the story. Uh, anyway, my, my, my grandfather was my, my grandfather, on my mom's side, big time army guy, big time discipline, et cetera. My dad, I believe just a private, you know, Hey man, in, in whatever capacity you serve, everyone's got a role. Everyone's got a job and it helps defend this country. So Absolutely. that's something you said for that. Uh, today is also not just veterans day, but it is the day before the 2020 masters. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough segue, but the Masters are here and we're excited about the Masters. And there's a lot of storylines floating around. Tiger Woods defending his title. Bryson DeChambeau bulked up like Superman to try and hit the ball 360 yards and go into like, like other, other fairways. He's going to try and cut corners and fly into opposite holes. Like I hope this course eats him alive. I do not want him to win. It drives me nuts that he's going to like try and shirk the tradition of golf and just blast it through everywhere and like hulk up and do all this stuff. It drives me nuts. I hate it. Um, but all these things are happening. Kyle Porter 
the host of one of the hosts and one of the guys who does the first cut podcast actually created a map of what it might look like for Bryson to play out there. And the first cut has you covered for all things masters. Uh, first cut part of the CBS sports podcast network. We'll have you, we'll have tournament previews, picks, best bets, plus round by round recaps as the world's best tee off on Thursday. The first cut crew is on the scene. Kyle is down there. Um, I think Mark Immelman down there as well. At Augusta, not sure about Rick Gaiman, but uh, they've got a crew down there ready to bring you every insight into a tradition unlike any other. Go listen to First Cut Golf Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, before we get to the football, we're going to do some midseason awards. Do you want to um, – y- you gave me a stink eye when I said that I don't like what Bryson's doing. No, I just thought it was interesting that you're upset that he's kind of changing golf. Like he's he's basically looked at the way golf has been set up and he put on what forty pounds or whatever it was uh, during the course of COVID. Maybe like eighty pounds. Eighty pounds of meat. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. And he just said, "Look, if you're not going to penalize us for hammering the golf ball and utilizing the technology that we have at our disposal, if you're not going to penalize us for doing that with making it impossible to take advantage of it with some of these courses, why not?" And I appreciate that. I, I, I agree with that stance. I do like the idea that he's like, listen, you know, cause it's like people, you know, people are like, uh, you know, like Moneyball, like Moneyball is about like nerd stats. No, no, no. Moneyball is exploiting a market inefficiency. And in golf, there's a market inefficiency in that if you can not hit the ball 360 yards, I mean, he might have a wedge in on all these par fives, which would make it a lot easier. I just want to see him. I, I just, he, He's like, I'm going to overpower the U.S. Open. And I was like, no, you're not. You're not going to. Nobody overpowers the U.S. Open, pal. And then he actually did overpower the U.S. Open. And so it made me mad. So now I'm like, now I'm like on tilt that he's going to overpower uh, the Augusta, which is, I find you to be. Just, is, it, is it in a way is overpowering you, like as a person, as a citizen in the United States? Do you feel like he's just, he's overpowering you? And that's really the issue is you just feel like he's, he's too much. He, I, I, he's I, like I, an alpha. You know, what the, you know what the real problem is, Brady? What's that? Everybody has these Bryson DeChambeau to win the Augusta tickets, the bets they put in before COVID at like 40 to one. And I don't. And so now he's like eight to one. Like, if you, you know, so it's like, it's really just FOMO. Like I know that it's going to be like Sunday night and he's going to be like holding and getting that, like, like tearing a green jacket as he's like, he like rips it with his giant muscles. Cause they got the, they got the side. Pre- and what are you going to be doing? Show me what you're going to be doing. Oh, he's fitting. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably be watching Sunday night football. So you're not going to be sitting there with a toughie in your hand, just drowning away your sorrows. Yeah. The nice cold toughie. It's it's, we're going to have the Masters in the NFL all at the same time for the first time ever. I'm not going to be drowning in sorrows. All right, you'll be excited about. It. Sorry, I, I thought you'd be a little more somber. And we were talking about our doctor visits, and you know, if, if you're whether or not you're forthcoming with uh, how many actual alcoholic beverages <laughs> you have during the course of a day or during a week. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not telling the doctor that I have. Yeah. I have a neighbor that like literally did the math and he was honest with his doctor. He said, yeah, I probably have over the course of a weekend, 15 plus 20 drinks. He's like, I like to hit it hard on the weekends. He goes, so, well, the doctor's just like, okay. He's like, do you drink during the week? He goes, no. He goes, yeah, but that does kind of average out over it, you know, cause they, they give you the thing you could check off like, do you have like a drink a day or two or more, whatever is on average. And he was like, yeah, I don't really know how to answer that. Cause I usually don't, but on the weekends I get after it pretty hard. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, 
I mean, the, 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 I, I feel like the doctor's request when you go in there is a little stringent. Like they're like, do you have more than one drink a day over the course of a week? It's like, well, if that's the full average for the, you know, Monday through Sunday, then yeah, I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he said, he's like, like, hey, doc, can we take Fridays and Saturdays out? Or like, what's it like? Do we include? He's exactly. Like, no, this doesn't count. I mean, it's not a typical day, right? Right, right, right. Or Saturday. Yeah. If you have a cheat day for eating, you have a cheat day for drinking where it like doesn't count against the count, right? What do you, like, like if I have eight beers on Saturday, you're going to count, you're going to like, like it ruins my whole average for the week. Like, let's be real. Like you're not going to have eight and probably not have 10 or 12. So it looks, I mean, especially if NC State wins, which last week's game against Miami was pretty close. So I imagine there was a lot of toughies being had in anticipation of the you- upset and then disappointment. Well, like does a fireball shot count as a, a drink? Is that like a- I think technically a shot. One shot counts as one drink. Yeah. I was not happy about the fireball. Those are not ordered by me, nor did I appreciate them. And it, it, it cost me on Saturday. Let's get to the midseason awards. <laughs> what a segue. I know. Um, okay. So I, I saw that, uh, the NFL, NFL media, NFL.com put out their midseason awards as well. Shocking. Uh, if you had to guess, there was actually a vote for Derek Carr on there. Good. He should be part of the conversation. He's had a good season. Carr, right? Who? David Carr. I mean, now I, I, I want to take that statement back. I mean, I was excited about it because he is having a good year. He's almost 70% of his passes. He's playing 16 really touchdowns, two interceptions. Like he's playing well. He's on pace for over 4,000 yards. They beat the top two teams in each conference. You could probably make that case. KC and, and New Orleans and get off me, Pittsburgh Steelers. I know you're undefeated. You, you don't play Kansas City. So we won't know to the playoffs, but even then. Kansas City would probably still beat you right now. Um, but they've beaten both those teams and he's playing really well. Like he should be part of the conversation, but if your brother votes for you, it's like, all right. Yeah. All right. He had him for like, he had the Raiders to win the Super Bowl too before the season, which I, you know, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's hey, it, 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 it's a great odds. Like what were the odds probably before the season? 60 to one, probably 70. Yeah. Awesome. Like great. Like more power to him, but like, you know, you got to kind of put to. Put the, uh, you know, brotherly love to the side. I, I agree. A little more objectivity would be nice. But, uh, if you had to pick who would be, and we had at the quarter seat, at the quarter poll, we both had Russell Wilson. Has anything changed for you? No, he's still the guy, but I do think it's a lot closer now. Um, I don't know that I would have, I, I, I guess I'll put it this way. We'll get to at the end of the season who I think it's going to be now, but the other guy who I think it's actually close with, is Dalvin Cook. Like, I don't think he's getting any love, but if you look at what he's done when he's been healthy this year and how he changes the entire dynamic of the Vikings offense and of the team, just their ability to win, like, I I don't know. Like, the Vikings are a bad football team without Dalvin Cook. When they have Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins can actually complete some passes. Their defense all of a sudden looks better. Like, they're an entirely different football team. So, Next to Russell Wilson, and because we're not to that point where we incorporate stats and did they win their division, did they win, you know, wherever seed they are in the playoffs, all that stuff. Right now, if Russell Wilson's not the quarterback for Seattle, they're awful. They probably have won two games if he's not their quarterback. Maybe Dalvin Cook, when he's not playing, the Vikings have no chance. Yeah. Uh, Follow up on that. For this coming week's game against the Bears, because I think Dalvin Cook is about to have a monster stretch because he after the Bears game, he has the Cowboys – and the Panthers and the Jaguars in some order. And he's going to run rough. Those are like three of the worst rush defenses in the league. 
against the Bears, I mean, I want to, I want to ride this purple wave and be like, you know, Dalvin's going to go nuts and, and all that, but it's prime time. The Vikings stink against the Bears with Kirk Cousins in town. And I don't know that you can show up and just pound Dalvin Cook and beat Chicago like that. So I'm no, 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 no. They're, they're going to have to throw a little bit, I think. And look, if you look at the matchup of those two teams and just look at, for example, the wide receivers for Chicago and if Foles can get it to them, I mean, it's a young secondary for the Vikings that struggled. So I think they're going to have to score some points. Uh, they're going to have to put pressure uh, on, on, on the Bears secondary and throw, throw the football around a little bit to Thielen and Jefferson and some of the, and hit up some of the tight ends. So no, they're going to have to throw the football some, but don't be deceived. I mean, Dalvin Cook's going to have 30 touches in this game. I mean, via the passing game as well as running the football. And this might be a game too, because of their rush with Mack and Hicks and, uh, you know, Robert Quinn. I actually think he'll get a fair amount of like free release out of the backfield screens, things of that nature to help get him some of those touches. And then eliminate some of that pass rush. All right. That's a, that's a great point. Because if that is the, if that's the plan, then that's, I think that's an accessible way for them to win. If they just try to pound Dalvin Cook, then I think they'll, I think they'll lose badly. Uh, related to the Vikings, by the way, this just some breaking news right now. NFL owners have unanimously approved a contingency plan to expand the playoff field from 14 to 16 games. If meaningful games are canceled because of COVID-19. But not receive them, Roger Goodell announced. Uh, Chris Mortensen of ESPN had previously reported that. And the reason I say it relates to the Vikings is that at two and five, are they three and five now? I mean, they're probably three and five. I think everyone's played eight games now. So three and five. That would make sense since we're in week eight, right? Uh, three and five, three and five. If they can beat the Bears on Monday, again, they have the Jaguars, Panthers and Cowboys coming up right after that. Like they can easily get to seven and five. And maybe they can still make it as a seventh seed, but I think if this if this if this season happens to go to eight seeds for whatever reason because of COVID concerns, the Vikings would be one of the top teams I think that benefit because of of what they're starting to put together right now. Uh, a couple things: a, I don't I don't think we've missed any meaningful games. I don't know though we will, uh, so I don't know that we're going to be able to exercise this. But b, the other thing is like it's fifty percent of the league gets in the playoffs. Then like it's not the highest bar. And I think if you looked at this year, I mean, the, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure this is great for that first round of the playoffs. And how does that work then? Does the number one seed not get a bye? Um, right. They would lose the bye. One would play eight. And, and then, but again, you're not going to reseed them. No, I, I get it. But I'm just saying it's, it's unfortunate then for that number one seed, you know, and, and, th- and then how those games are going to be played in weeks 16 and 17. Great. Think about it. I mean, if you're, if you're, what does it matter if you're the one, two or three or four? It doesn't matter at that point. So how many teams, if you're solidified yourself and winning the division, you're in the playoffs, you know, you can't be jockeying for who you play. You're more concerned about saying in week 17, 16, what's the point of even playing? Because I, I, I don't want to put my players out there and put them at risk. If I know we're going to the playoffs, I'm not going to have a buy anyway in the first week. Well, let's say that, um, the Saints and, and Seahawks are tied at, uh, whatever the record is going into week 16. And they're the only two teams that can get the first seed. And they don't know whether or not that contingency plan will be put in place yet. Or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and well, you'd have to know by that point. You would think so. <laughs> I mean, they, they need to clarify what meaningful games mean. Yeah. Is it like games in week 16, 17 that determine then who's in the one or two? Cause this is where I feel like the NFL has really handled COVID, I think quite well. Yep. And no one gives them any credit. I mean, Alan Sills came out 
uh, recently in the Monday morning quarterback, he had talked about how, look, they, they can't trace back a case of COVID that is directly tied to a game or even practice that has occurred where someone has contracted it in that way. That's a win. This is a contact sport, and they don't have any data that suggests that at this point. So, so far, everything they've done is a win. But this is the first case where, like, you're already looking to kind of manipulate things before you really need to. This isn't like college football and, for example, the Big Ten that put it to put together a rule where Wisconsin might not even play, like, the first, what, you know, the, or I should say that their, their next like, three games in, in what is, what, an eight-game season? So they might not even be eligible to to go and play in the Big Ten Championship. Like, that's a different situation going on at the college level because of how they instituted their their testing protocols and their quarantine and so forth. The NFL's not there. Like, they haven't been impacted the, 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 quite the same way. So it, it's a little bit concerning from that standpoint. I, I think that the logic here is probably that th- this is the fall meetings, and it just made sense to get something on the bylaws to have it passed now in case they ha- – because you can't – you can't make that amend, you can't make that contingency, making that contingency plan on the fly and amending it on the fly. Well, I understand what you're saying. They don't want to use it. I, I think they're just put it in place. You got it. You got it in place. In yeah. But, but here's the reality is it's like bankruptcy laws, right? Like we have COVID going on right now. It's impacted our economy in a big way. Yeah. You know, when you look at some corporations decisions to file bankruptcy, it's because they know they'll still be able to actually retain ownership after reorganization after the fact. And so it's, it's kind of like when you put in a rule like this, you're, it's like you would have exercised it if you didn't have it, but now that you have it, you're like, well, all right, well, like we can always just push it and have a 16 game playoff, right? It, it's kind of like that. Like if you didn't have certain laws or guidelines within like the IRX tax code and the ability to file for bankruptcy restructure and come back out of it on the other end, you wouldn't utilize it. You, you know, that, that wouldn't even be an option to you, but it is. So, you know, corporations that might be able to fight the right way out of it don't for that reason. Uh, I, I'm just saying that that might not that might be an apples oranges comparison in your mind, but it's the first thing that hit me. It was like, well, they're going to utilize it if they've already put it in place. I understand your point where they have to have some sort of plan moving forward, and, and that is a good thing, right? Like the NFL is planning for the what if scenarios as they should, but I, I now think that opens up the door then to them allowing eight teams in on each side, and I, I don't know that we really, you know, we're already getting going to get a terrible NFC East team in. Like, I, do, hope that, I hope that the plan is not just to do this anyway. I think it's just a contingency, but I understand what you're saying. Like, if that is, if their idea is like, hey, eh, extra playoff game, extra money, let's go with it, then that, then that's disingenuous and that's frustrating. Well, especially for the players too. And, and these things are collectively bargained. And so obviously they, they, you know, they make that, that decision on their own. But then how does that factor in for the players and for the revenue? And then the other thing is for the TV networks. How does this work for them? I mean, or are they even aware of this sort of decision? Who, who, who gets the, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, have those live events, have those games. That's the beauty of having your own in-house network is you can just put the game on NFL network. If you yeah. Know. But, but they know that that doesn't, that doesn't provide them the type of revenue or, sure. you know, return on their investment that they're looking for. I mean, ultimately, I think if this is completely way off the radar, like some of these TV networks should look at trying to buy a league because it doesn't make sense in their current business model, long term, I'm saying for you to be paying for the rights and then having to resell it. And in the form of that, using advertising dollars, right, to cover your costs. Like, what's the better way of doing it? Well, you, you own the league. You you own how you end up put, pushing out. Put, you know, it's like owning an events company. It's the same thing. This, this It would be fascinating to me if, if like, you don't see, um, you know, Fox, for example, trying to make a push. Or maybe you buy a portion of the league 
have another network buy like NFC, AFC, right? Fox already has the NFC. Why not buy a portion of it? Why not look for, you know, Disney to try to buy the, the, you know, not Disney, I should say CBS or Viacom if they wanted to buy the AFC. Uh, that would make way more sense. But again, I, I don't want to digress. AFC? What's that? Can you buy the AFC? Well, no, I'm saying that's how you look at splitting it up. You know, if you looked at trying to buy and, and you have a partnership together, you split the rights. CBS obviously airs the AFC games. Fox airs the NFC games. You don't want doing that with a different league, though. No, I'm talking about doing that with the NFL. I don't think the NFL would sell the conferences. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. But, but like, it does get to a point where I'm just saying from a TV network standpoint, look at the money out there generating it. It's, it's like, it's one way of ensuring like they're able to recoup some of the revenue because the rights fees can't continue to keep going up like this. Eventually they're going to plateau. That's just the, that's just the bottom line. That, in theory, that is correct. Uh, okay. So MVP, um, <laughs> uh, we both have Russell Wilson right now and I think we both agree or, or Dalvin Cook the same. Or, 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 we're just giving Dalvin Cook his credit or Derek Carr. Uh, and then we both agree that. End of season MVP, if you were picking right now, I got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Sam. I mean, even, the, even though I think teams have figured out how to kind of limit some of their production offensively, I, I do think the way that team's going, like, he's going to have the better shot because, and, and this, again, the kind of factors in the Raiders and Derek Carr, they already beat them within the division. Like, maybe I shouldn't count out the Raiders for winning that division, but the Chiefs are just the team that I mean, it looks to be the best in the AFC. I can't say that about the Seahawks. Like I kind of worry about the Cardinals or Rams creeping up on them in the NFC West and just that defense not being able to fix some of these issues. They had Jamal Adams back this past week. Didn't matter. And by the way, the Bills just looked to exploit uh, that pass coverage the entire game and just aired it out. And if they're willing to do that, you better believe everyone else, especially the Rams, they play them this week. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you don't think the Rams and, and Sean McVay and Robert Woods, Jared Gother, licking their chops going, I can't wait for this one. This is going to be great for, you know, padding my stats and all those fantasy owners should be excited. And, uh, I believe that Pete Carroll, by the way, said in that game that he, and you know, we talked about this teams have started playing soft zone against Josh Allen and forcing him to beat him like underneath and be patient and all that. We've been talking about this for several weeks. Pete Carroll blitzed the crap out of him. Like, what are you doing, Pete? Like your, your secondary stinks. But just sit back like, and then the guys are running wide open for Buffalo all day. I, I agree though. I think Russell's path now, whereas before, three weeks ago, it looked almost clear that if he kept this up, he would win it. Now he has to be perfect. The defense can't, is not going to bail him out. And additionally, um, it's, it's a different, it's a difficult division. You got to deal with well, the Rams and the Cardinals. Let me ask you this because stats wise, I think he still might have the best argument. Does yeah. he have to win the division in order to win the MVP? Yes, 100%. And that's, and that's a tough spot is like that then encompasses not just his play because his play has been really with even the, with the exception of the past few weeks where he's turned the football over more. He still, he still gives them a chance. I mean, he's still to me, as I said about him and Dalvin Cook, like you take them off the field, those teams have no shot, you know, no shot of, of winning football games the way they're playing. So he's a huge difference maker in that regard. So I still think Russell would have a chance, but I think Mahomes, the way things are going for them, as has equal odds or equal chance of doing it. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hit the rest of the awards. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so that MVP conversation went into multiple tangents, but they were all important NFL-related tangents, so that doesn't technically count. Defensive Player of the Year. At the quarter poll, Brady had T.J. Watt, and I had Miles Garrett after week four. Uh, who would you take at midseason, Brady? I think you could still make a case for your guy, Miles Garrett. I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. Um, I think you'd probably make that case regardless just because how good he is and watching him Every week, I mean, teams, the way they prepare for him, try to eliminate him, and he still has production. So it's Aaron Donald now. It'll probably be Aaron Donald at the end of the season. Uh, I just – he plays at, a, like, a, a freakishly high level every game. It, it's It truly is incredible to watch his motor and just the effort that he gives week in and week out. So uh, Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett both tied right now with nine sacks each. Miles Garrett Lee is tied with Marlon Humphrey for most fumbles force four. Ro- Rokon Smith is a sort of a sneaky guy that you could put into the conversation, but the Bears probably aren't good enough for it to happen. Buda Baker, I think, is at least. I was, I was just going to say Buda Baker would be the other guy that kind of comes to mind as far as the impact he's had on that defense this year. Maybe we could do a meme where it's like Buda Baker is running with the ball and then it's like Aaron Donald's face or head on, on DK Metcalf's body. Yeah. That's great. That's pretty great. I like what you did there. Um, yeah, I uh, I think that's probably the short list right now. I'm not sure if we're missing anybody else, but I, I'll I will go with Miles Garrett at midpoint, and I'm sort of doing this because I had Miles Garrett before the season, so I'm just gonna like that's like we had to do these midseason Super Bowl. It's like you can change your Super Bowl pick at midseason, and I was like, well, I'm gonna take the Colts. People were like, what? What? What are you? What are you an idiot? I was like, well, I take the Colts before the season. They're five and two, so I'm not gonna. Like, I'm not going to change. Like, sure, I would love to, you know, in hindsight, I would take the Chiefs, but I'm going to write out my pick. So I'm right. going to stick with Miles Garrett here. All right, and you will take Aaron Donald. Yes. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, this one is spicy. We both had Joe Burrow after four weeks. Are you going to zig to another player? I am. I'm going to go with Herbert. I, I think if you if you look at the impact that he's had, and I think when you consider the fact that you know, he wasn't, it wasn't like he was preparing the entire training camp for this chance. I mean, he was, but they were preparing Tyron Taylor to start the season. Yep. And then Herbert gets thrust in week two. And so I just think you look at how, how well he's played the entire time. 
And, and he's definitely not the reason why they've lost or given up some of these leads. I don't think. Like, I think he's played a consistently of a higher level than Burrow. And I, I don't know that he's had as much help. I think, I don't know, maybe the weapons are somewhat of a wash when you look at what Joe, Joe Burrow has with, you know, Higgins as a rookie, but obviously Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, um, some of their pieces, Joe Mixon in the running game. Um, I would say that I think Herbert's outside of Keenan Allen has kind of had to overcome. Um, you know, obviously they, they've got their tight ends there too, but, um, I, I think he's got a little more of an uphill battle and just the lack of preparation. So I'm going to give him the slight edge over Joe Burrow for that reason. So this is pretty wild. This is, this would be Justin Herbert's per 16 game. Like if you took his, if you took what he's done in his, um, what is it? Seven starts as a rookie after Tyrod Taylor's lung was punctured by his own team doctor and you extrapolated it over the course of 16 games. Justin Herbert would have completed 67.3% of his passes, 4,905 passing yards, 39 passing touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. That is a monster season. That's like an MVP season. Right. I was just going to say, I mean, that shatters the rookie record for touchdown passes. Shatters everything. It shatters everything. I mean, it's it's crazy to see what they've been doing. It really is. And then the fact that he's doing that and they're still not coming up with wins – it, it's not him. It's definitely not him. It, it's really not. I mean, that, like he's, I will say that in a couple, there have been a couple of situations where in these games that he has thrown some bad, made some bad mistakes. Some might even call them uh, rookie mistakes that have led to like, it'll, like a deep, but I don't put that on him. Like I put that on, uh, whether it's Anthony Land or Shane Stitcham, like these, these guys, like, and I, they're being aggressive and I like it, but you have to minimize the mistakes that he can make late in these games when you got these big leads, you know, especially as it relates to like against the Chiefs. He had a bad interception that really opened the door, I thought, for, for the Chiefs to get back in it. Uh, having said that, I mean, it's hard to, it's like, it's hard to complain about anything he's done. I'm trying to look up stat head and get these results to see. Well, I, I think, I think it, like in comparison to Burrow. In comparison to Burrow. Oh, just really quickly. Okay. The, the stats I read off. 4,900 passing yards, 39 passing touchdowns or more, 15 or less interceptions, and 67% of his passes completed. That's been done three times ever. Wow. Drew Brees 2011 and Drew Brees and Peyton Manning in 2013. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about here? <clears throat> no, and, and look, I, I think the game, like if, if we go back to um, Herbert and how he's looked this year, like there's, as you said, he might have had some rookie moments. He's never really had a rookie game. I thought the Baltimore game for Burrow was kind of like that, that rookie game. Yeah. Like yeah. he didn't have a good game and it was one of the best teams, you know, in the NFL in you know, and in, in, in his own division. The, it's hard to go up against with that defense, the way they blitz their blitz packages and scheme. Um, they have the coverage players on the outside. So like clearly that's going to play a factor, but like I haven't seen a game like that for Herbert all year. Um, he's just been really consistent. Uh, with the exception of maybe a few plays here and there. So I, I think for that reason, I'd give him the slight edge right now. Okay. That is, uh, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I think when you look at Burrow's stats, they've been great. He's been awesome. He's got a tough situation, but he does have a lot of weapons there. And it's not like the Chargers offensive line is, you know, like five all pros. Um, Herbert's, Herbert's just been unflinchingly unafraid to throw the ball downfield and it's impressive. Like, and he's crazy accurate with these throws. And I just, I don't know where the hell this came from. This is not what we saw at Oregon. Well, 
they just the problem was at Oregon is they really didn't put him in this sort of position to succeed. I mean, he's had a strong arm, and, and when they did, you know, when they asked him to make throws downfield, he was great in the seams. Like he really was great pushing the football down the seams. As far as some of the deeper throws, though, like they didn't ask him to do it quite as much, and they definitely didn't incorporate him as part of the running attack. Um, and, and there was some other thing. I mean, I, I just feel like overall this is a better system for him than what we saw him do at college. And he's one of those guys that has such a strong arm. He probably feels more comfortable completing a, a 10 to 20 yard, 10 yard out, 20 yard comeback than he does trying to throw like a six yard hitch route. Like he's just, he's, he's that type of big, strong arm, talented player. I, I agree with that. I think that the, the coaching that they've done to get him and to put him into successful positions. Is, is really impressive. And I don't know if it makes up for the fact that they can't win any football games, but I mean, like developing a rookie quarterback like this should get you a long way as a head coach. Herbert, by the way, and Burrow both even money to win the award. Tua Tungabailoa is at least interesting at 10 to 1 because if the Dolphins win that division, he might steal the award. Once they go to the playoffs, I think if they go to the playoffs, he steals the award. I think that's probably true too. And, and by the way, you know what the difference is about his play? Is dazzling. Like, that's the thing. Like, I said that earlier this year about Kyler Murray. When you have that style of play where you scramble and you buy time, you make, you know, people tend to, like, gravitate towards it. It hits social media. It goes viral. And everyone's talking about him. It's like that, you know, that that could be something that ends up, you know, capturing some of the odds or some of the the decision makers who have this sort of vote. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Defensive rookie of the year. You had Chase Young. I had Antoine Winfield back in week four. I said, there's a clip. I saw a clip, uh, somebody posted. It was like, cause look, I'm not watching a whole lot of Washington tape myself or a whole lot of Washington games myself. Chase Young getting triple teamed. I mean, like that's where his, that's why his sack total is not through the roof. Yeah. He's got two and a half, but I think he had one, what maybe last week, yeah. but no, he, look, he, he's, he's, he's still going to get some of his sacks because they have the other issues you have to be concerned about on, the, on that defensive front. Um, he's, he's the, the guy to me that deserves the award. You know, if we're going to base it purely on stats, then it's going to be for people who, like you said, probably aren't watching film and aren't seeing how teams are trying to, um, you know, trying to stop him from impacting the game. Uh, I think some other guys you could mention, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, both linebackers have had a good year. You talked about Winfield, but it, it's Chase Young, and it's kind of, you know, everyone else after that, um, at least looking at, again, his impact on it. And still, from a sack standpoint, I think he'll get over six, six and a half. And let's not forget, he he missed a little bit of time too. Yeah, if he gets the if he gets six and a half, I think somebody could steal it from him. If Winfield can make some plays or Queen or Murray and um Murray not in the contention for for the playoffs, but like if if Murray if Winfield or Queen make like a big game flipping play down the stretch, like a pick six or a you know a, a stall like a strip sack or something like that, I could see that because it's sort of muddled and close. And Chase Young maybe is yeah. the default right now, right. I could, I could see this one changing, like flipping hands. It's delicate. That, that's what it is. Like, this is a delicate award because, you know, it's almost like the Heisman. Like, these guys have to play up like a defensive rookie of the year moment yes. in order for people to be like, oh, yeah, like, I remember seeing that. He's got my vote. Like, what are the stats? Oh, that's good enough. Like, he's got my vote. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, Coach of the year. I think yeah. up to this point, yeah. I'm going to say Brian Flores. I had Belichick after week four. Whoops. Um, I had LaFleur. You had LaFleur. That would still be fine. I think Flores is a great pick. Uh, and you believe the guy at the end of the season is the guy I would probably take right now, which is Mike Tomlin. 
because he's undefeated. And Mike Tomlin's caught some flack in the past, I guess, for for people like, you know, I don't know. But Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Yeah. He's just a great coach. I love Mike Tomlin. Like, I I really do as a coach. Like, I I wish I would have had the chance to play for Mike Tomlin. It's just how he handles the media, how he handles his team. Uh, I've I've never really talked, like, too in-depth to guys about how he is behind closed doors, but every player that's ever played for him respects him. They talk highly of him as a coach. So I I just – I can't say enough about the job he's done, the fact that he's the first coach in Steelers history to coach them to 8-0. It's crazy. It, it really is crazy. Uh, most wins all time by a, a black head coach, I believe. Maybe yeah. even minority head coach. Past Tony Dungy. I remember once, and this is, uh, I don't want to really go too in depth of this, but a few years back, uh, there was a rumor about a player on Mike Tomlin's team possibly being traded. And it's a very prominent player. About as prominent as it can get on Tomlin's team. And, um, uh, this is uh, happening at the owners meetings. I think in maybe Arizona and uh, Tomlin came in for the coach's breakfast. And before he sat down for his breakfast, he made sure to pull aside the reporter who had reported the pot, the trade rumors and in really like a whole room full of like a hundred people. Like he didn't, like he didn't make it like a big stink. Like everybody's like, is he going to walk in and just like go ballistic on him? And he just like very like, you know, had a quiet little huddle. And then it, it, it broke up and it was sort of like, uh huh. All right. I gotcha. You know, it's like, like, like Mike Tomlin is very like stern and precise. And I love it. Like he's like, he's like, yeah. no, he's, yeah. he's, like, he's, the standards he's stern and precise. He, he's decisive too. And I think that's something that's like a quality out of a leader that you love where there's like no hesitation. You know, you ask him a question, he gives you an answer. He get, and, and he's probably thought about it before you ever asked it. Uh, which is why I think he can answer the way he does. And he's so decisive with some of that. So he, he's done a tremendous job. And here's the thing is like, they haven't really played, um, their best football yet, but you know, they lost Devin Bush. They, they put in Robert Spillane. He's done a good job filling in for him, at least in the, in the meantime, who knows what's going to happen this week with uh, Ben Roethlisberger being on the COVID list. You know, if he continues to test negative, he could play, but just even handling it a year, you know, like COVID. I mean, think about that. Like he's, he's, he's literally had the best season to this point of his career during a year that you can make the case was the most difficult. I agree. All right. Finally, mid-season Super Bowl pick. You had the Steelers and the Saints before the season. That was a really good pick. Thank you. Thank you. It looks, uh, I actually believe that if you, sort by, yep, you have currently have the two number one seeds. And I, I'm going to stick with it. Um, I, I think if you look at what the path was to get through the NFC South, and, and granted, this is all assuming that we have only 17 on each side, number one seeds as a buy, a little easier path. If they go to 16, it kind of, I'm not saying that, you know, each number one seed shouldn't beat the eight seed, but you never know, man. You get the playoffs and, and anything can happen. So, you know, looking at how the Saints have played in particular against their toughest opponent in the division in Tampa, feel good about that. They've already beat him twice, swept them there. As long as they take care of business the rest of the way, they should probably be the top, if not, you know, right up there as, as one of the top seeds. And, and I think, you know, Pittsburgh, it won't play Kansas City, but eventually they'll probably have to if they want to win a Super Bowl and they've got time to get better. Uh, Washington's past week versus Dallas wasn't encouraging, but their offensive line, that, that's the group that needs to improve. Like if you look at their rushing attack right now, I think they're averaging like, I don't know. 
Um, well, I know going into that pass game versus Dallas, Dallas is given like five yards per attempt or whatever it was. And, you know, Pittsburgh rushed for like two and a half per attempt. So it's, it's concerning to see it like that. And it's concerning to see Villanueva, you know, give up some pressures from Randy Gregory or, you know, Okafor get beat across his face on multiple plays for tackles for loss and all that. But I, I still think that team has their best football, you know, ahead of them and eventually they'll get there. Uh, by the way, big Ben Roethlisberger. Never traded for the Steelers. Always on the Steelers his entire career. Maybe there were rumors. Who knows? Um, I'm, just, I'm alluding to the story from before. But he has been placed on the COVID list as of Tuesday evening. I believe the report was that he is tested negative. So this is a close contact situation. That's right. Um, given that he was already <laughs> dealing with multiple knee injuries and that he's Big Ben, he's been playing this, the game for 20 years on this team for 20 years, I would guess that – he wasn't going to practice anyway, so I don't know if this is a huge deal going into this game against Cincinnati. No, I don't think so. I mean, it, you, you'd like him to be out there to get some reps and all that, and hopefully he'll be able to re- receive the, the care and treatment he needs to deal with his knees. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I mean, look, we saw a Tennessee Titans team not practice for like two weeks, and they came out and just bludgeoned the Buffalo Bills. Yep. It's a small sample size, but maybe this is actually a good thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like maybe the additional rest really helped Ben Roethlisberger uh, when it comes game day. So. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but no, I, I, I don't, if it was, if it was, you know, Mason Rudolph, for example, he had to go start different story, even with as much as he played, you know, last year in the past couple of years. So, uh, I don't think this would be that big of a deal. Okay. Um, and my Super Bowl pick, if I was redoing it, I, see, this is what annoys me. I was going to go Colts Bucks and then the Bucks were too popular. And so then I was like, I can go Colts Saints and I ended up going with the Cowboys. I don't know why I did that before the season. Like I, like I didn't even like the Cowboys. I didn't yeah. like the Cowboys. So did you not do what your heart felt? You just did what you thought would be like, you know, catchy or grab attention. No, 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 no. I was worried that the, the Buccaneers were getting too much steam before the season. And that bugged me. Like I bet on the saints to win the division. Cause I thought they were a good value because the Buccaneers, Tom Brady's like, Tom's back. Gronk's back. Oh, they got Fernet. They got Fernet. They got Fernet. Like Shady McCoy. Oh, they got so many dudes. Like, and it's like, first of all, those are all running backs. Second of all, you know, the Saints have a better roster overall. So I was, I sort of got off the Buccaneers and what I should have done is gone to the Saints. So yeah. if I could do it again, I would say Colt Saints. I think that's the Super Bowl we get. I think your preseason predictions. Uh, they, they need to be reviewed at some point on the show. Cause there's some, there's some tantalizing ones out there. There are some bad ones. There's always <laughs> some bad ones. I just love how much Pete gives you crap. I know he, he gets, he's all like, but he like, but like, does he think he's, does he think it's like, he's like, I have picked the Patriots and the Packers to play in the Super Bowl every year for the last 15 years. It's like, is that better than going out on a limb and trying to find something new? No, it's true. I mean, he does pick them. He picks the Packers every year because he loves Aaron Rodgers. But now he's, but now he's switched and now he's going to go Packers Chiefs every year until Rodgers retires and he'll find a new NFC team. Yeah, like, of course. But that's like eating a turkey sandwich for lunch every day for your entire life, which I guess is sort of what Pete does too. Right. Like this is the missionary of, of Super Bowl picks. Well, you know, everyone, everyone's got their own things, you know, some guys are just missionary guys, you know, I guess Pete Briscoe is just a missionary guy. What are you going to do? All right, that's it. That's the show. (laughs) Uh, I got nothing else. I don't want to say anything else. As always, a pleasure, buddy. See you next week.